one. Nice day yesterday. Up almost 50 handles. We're up today. I really not see why. I do see some decent amount of red on our screen. Caterpillar is not helping. Not a big stock, but Sarepta is having a bad day. Not sure about turnaround Tuesday, but two winning days in a row would be a rare thing. New guests coming out at 835. We're going to be talking to T3 Trading. See what's going on on their trading floor with Derek Oldensmith. It's a Tuesday. It's pre-market prep. Let's get it started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, welcome traders and investors starting out in the green by nine and a half handles, 41.95 and a quarter, just flirting with yesterday's high right here at 97.50. The buck pulling back after a down day yesterday, down nine cents at 105.85. Bonds were cheering the bond market up nearly a point over 110. That had been pretty good resistance. Crude back over 83. Got a couple bottoms in the same area. Will it hold up 82 cents? 83.13. Gold back over 2K, up 320 at 2008.80. Silver in the red by just about eight cents at 23.22. And let's call Bitcoin futures flat. At 34,770, let's bring in our Triple D here on this Tuesday morning. And uh, Dennis, I mean, we're up. We were up yesterday. Is is it an up where you're like, whoa, let's go. Let's rev the jets. Or it's just kind of just like, okay, we were oversold. We're getting a little bounce. We're going back down. Well, I'll give a perspective. I mean, look at the IWM. Where's the bounce, Joel? Where is this huge bounce that you're talking about? Show it on the charts. Look at the long-term chart. Show me like, wow, this is, let's go. It just doesn't feel like it. We are at a major level of support on IWM though. So I will say that we're at this 161 to 162 area where we've been there for a long time. I do eventually think we're breaking down I am using the bounce as an opportunity and some stocks to lighten up. So that gives you where, you know, I am. You know, I'm actually raising 60% cash and I raised more cash yesterday into the bounce. One stock that I sold was Enbridge. Reason I'm selling it is the information from when I've bought this stock has changed. One, ENB is a, is a ticker. One is... That They did that merger. Obviously, it wasn't good. I gave it a pass for a while thinking, well, maybe, but they took on so much more debt because of that merger. And then two, long-term rates have just exploded. So now you look at this and you think, okay, well, yeah, it's got an 8% dividend, but there's a lot of debt and a lot of risk for that 8%. When you risk-free rate, GIC rates in Canada now are 5.75%. So the risk-free rate, Enbridge Canadian Company, so it's comparing apples to apples. So you're only picking up really two and a half points over the risk-free rate. You're taking on all that debt. So if they wouldn't have did this deal, I don't think the stock would have been, you know, where they did that deal, you know, two months ago, you remember it. I don't think the stock would be where it is. But at a certain point in time, you just got to say, look, they keep hammering stuff with debt. 
Enbridge is loaded with debt. Yes, it's a utility. Yes, you know the cash flows are typically stable, but I don't like that new deal. I'm going to sit on the sidelines for a bit and maybe wait until rates actually start going down. But at this point in time, I sold the majority of my Enbridge. I took an 8% loss on it. Uh, and that's not even the remember when we talked about it, when you uh, would uh, I told you they got this big old pipeline under Lake Michigan that needs to be replaced. I mean, and if that uh, thing I think blows, that's minimal, though, I don't agree with you on that. I've researched that after you even said it. I don't think that's a huge expense. The biggest problem with these companies and is just debt load. I mean, this is why utilities have been hit. They took on a lot of debt to do this deal. So I didn't sell it because of the pipeline thing. That was known information. I didn't like the deal when they did it. And now that rates have done what they have, I just think it's time to cut the loser. I wish I would have cut it when I went to 33. It bounced a little bit yesterday. So I'm using that as an out. It was a disappointing trade. Obviously, it was an investment. It was a disappointing investment. But at some points in time, don't be afraid to cut your investing losers, folks. Like Information has changed. I just had a fantastic question. Mitch, come in here too. Bring Mitch in for this discussion because it, it's it's important for him, and obviously he you know has he's a trader as well. But I just had this a great question from Lorenzo um, in my Twitter, and he said, "What's the criteria for cutting losers? Do you have a certain percentage? It's discretionary. What do you use in trading?" Uh, and we're going to let Mitch answer this question too because it's very important. In trading, I give my losers very little room. They start moving against me. I'm typically already looking to get out. So my trading account, which goes to cash every single day, you know my trading account, it goes to cash whether it's winning or losing at 10 a.m. I go to cash, 100% cash every single day. In my investing account, I don't do that. I do other things. Obviously, I'm looking to invest longer term on fundamental information. When do I cut the losers in my invest portfolio? When fundamental information changes typically. So when, and, and the information that changed on Enbridge was one, they did a, a big deal, took on a lot more debt. And then two is rates have risen so much that that debt is a lot more money for them to handle. So there's two reasons why I think that, you know, Enbridge, not that they're in trouble or anything, but that they could have more trouble servicing that debt um, at these higher interest rates. So that would put the dividend potentially in jeopardy. So that's why I cut that Enbridge out. So that's my criteria. Mitch, what's your criteria for cutting losers? And we'll ask Joel the same question because it's important. Yeah, especially um, for day trading, you know, it's going to be always based on the trade itself. Um, there's an objective plan that's set as before you take the trade and just kind of stick into that. I like to stick to three to one outlooks there. So essentially, my reward should be three times the amount that I'm risking. And a big part of that is just trying to keep mathematical advantage, right? Um, uh, I think that's the number one thing that a lot of day traders just do wrong. They immediately just start uh, kind of ripping up their mathematical advantage. They have different risks to rewards on each trade. And then it's very hard to have a mathematical advantage in your system. Now, when it comes to swing trading, that's really when I focus on cutting those losers small. Because the number one thing that I've learned in swing trading is if I let my winners work for me, they're going to expand that equity wave and let me drive higher. And I think that that's really where my bread and butter is. So I focus on that aspect. And for those types of trades, sometimes it does change because there's different trading environments. Sometimes I can risk up to, let's say, 5% on a trade. 
But other times when things are a little bit shaky, I'm going to go in and halving that to like two, 2.5%. And it's going to be really where you find the sweet spot on the reward side also. For me, that's going to be kind of like four to 6%, right? And then on environments where things are doing really well, I can look for that 10%. I think it's important to cut those losers really small, keep it small, and expand those winners. Mitch, I think you're spot on here. And what I'll say again, I'll reiterate this. What makes me a successful trader? And yes, I've been a successful trader. How do I know that? I've been in this business 23 years. Actually going on 24 years. No, it is 24 years. Now it's going on 25 years. And I have made all of my wealth from trading. All of it. I started with... Uh, I started with nothing. I started right out of university with basically nothing, borrowing some money from my parents. So my entire net worth has been created from trading and investing. I've, I've, I've not really had another job. Like I, I obviously we did this podcast, um, you know, and I get paid a little bit of money for this podcast, but it's definitely not my bread and butter. And it's only been the last, we've been doing this almost 10 years. It's crazy. We've been doing this 10 years, but the, the majority, like say 98% of my net worth has been created from trading and investing. It's not that I'm this guru that I know what's going to happen next. It's not why I'm successful. Why I'm successful is I have discipline and I cut those losers when I can. And I cut those losers in my trading account no matter what. In my investing account, I give it more room. And sometimes it's a mistake. And sometimes you should just maybe cut them more in your investing account as well. But in my trading account, I have zero tolerance for losers. If something gaps down on me 30% overnight, and I've had it happen, you know, I've had stocks taken over where they went up 60% on me overnight. I don't sit here and hope it comes back down. I cut the loser and I move on. And that's it. People asking me why, you know, you go to cash at 10 a.m. every day. So yeah, I've been doing I this for about, that question. It's yep. a good question. I've been doing this in my day trading account, day trading overnight. So it's day trading overnight. I call it a 24-hour account. It's my max hold time in this account. Swing trades would go into a different account. I have a separate account for swing trades, which I haven't been doing a lot of swing trading lately. Um, I typically, you know, did a lot of swing trading in 2020, did really well with it. But in my day trading over a night account, I've got this max hold 24 hour, just my style. They're supposed to be short term trades or scalps more than anything. Looking at different, you know, strategies, doing arbitrage. I've talked all these strategies, run ups into earnings, you know, all, you know, all the stuff that we talk about all the time. You guys kind of know how I trade, you know, on different, you know, I don't use technicals as much. It's mostly, you know, statistical arbitrage, sympathy plays. Um, run-ups ahead of events, run-ups ahead of earnings, all that kind of stuff, you know, that that I'm doing in that account. And what I, what I, I specialize is overnight trading as well, where I think something's going to be strong the next day. I might be taking it overnight. I think somebody might be weak the next day. Like, I mean, I was trying like hell to short XBI last night on the Sarepta News, which we'll get to here in a second. It'll be a good segue. Um, it, it, I, I didn't get the short on cause it went really fast, but you know, I was trying, you know, actively to get short that because you knew it was going to go down the next day. That's an arbitrage trade. So lots of different, you know, styles of trading. But I reason I go is I've struggled with the middle of the day from 11 to two. Yeah, I've said this on the time. show yep. for the last 13 years, 11 to two is very difficult to day trade one because I'm an information trader. I specialize in earnings reports and analyzing new fundamental information. Middle of the day, 11 to 2, there's typically no new specific fundamental information coming out. Sometimes there is, but there's not company earnings reports. There's not usually, you know, the Fed meetings don't come till 2 o'clock. That's why I say 11 to 2, because sometimes we'll have a Fed meeting or some Fed speak or something. Um, But for the most part, that 11 to 2 is a very difficult time to day trade. It's a lot of chop, a lot of bots, a lot of slop. 
So I just don't typically trade those hours. So I get to cash ahead of those. And then I start putting positions back on after two o'clock, typically very specializing in the close after three o'clock. So, you know, my hours of trading really are 3 p.m. overnight, pre-market, open. And then after the open, I'm slowly getting out of stuff, a little bit of, you know, moves. And then um, typically out of everything by 10. So basically my hour, day trading hours are 3 p.m. to 10 a.m. The good stuff. I'll tell you right now, Dennis is taking his time to explain it to you guys so you guys can truly understand how he comes after it. But you, what what day is today, guys? It's Halloween, of course, and uh, I, I want to throw it out to the chat. What do you guys think Joel dressed up as for Halloween? We, we got a picture, and I want to throw it up to the chat. Okay. Joel, yeah. Who's going to get this right? If you get this right, like right off the top, I'm going to let you know right now. Hit me up, Mitch at Benzinga.com. I got to get you some Benzinga pros, some swag, something. Let's see what you guys got in the chat. I'll give you guys five more seconds to throw those up because I know we're a little delayed here. But I'm about to go ahead and mention it. And we're going to have a good time also on live trading after this. We've been doing the trading competition. I'm going to be dressing up. We got Ryan dressing up. So if you guys oh, I didn't know that. all day, we should have got dressed up live here trading. Too. Yeah, we should have got dressed up here. I'm uh, sick and under the weather, so I wasn't even thinking about it. You're, you're sick, Denny. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, that's why <laughs> I'm, right, I'm, here's I'm, I'm, the I'm dressed up as sick Denny. coming in here. We got Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Nice. <laughs> Michael <laughs> Phelps. Yep, yep, my oh, boy yeah. Joel. He, he looks like yeah, I got my swimsuit on, guys. Yeah, Girls. he did that this morning. You know, He did the Michael Phelps thing. Oh, no. Joel, we're talking about you hitting the bong, Michael Phelps style. Oh, oh that's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, wait. Hold on a second. All hold right. We've built this up a lot. Let's see this pick. All right. All right. All right. All right. So this is all I got to say, guys. I need somebody help. Not just anybody help. <laughs> Joel and somebody. Lisa look great. Holy mackerel. You look guys were guy. hippies back in the day, weren't you? If That's the way help, you actually looked Joel. in 1970, wasn't it? That was like an actual, like the way you looked in 1970. Where's the joint? That's great. I'm <laughs> yeah, sure they had those back it. in 1970. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, Lisa with the Yoko Ono too, man. I mean, I think, uh, I think. Uh, she looks know. great. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. You got to be careful with her. They're going to take her. That's why Joel keeps her tight. hair, Joel. Did you have your hair that long back in 1970? Uh, no, not in 70, because I was only seven years old, and I was a oh. very competitive uh, swimmer. Uh, but uh, I, when I got married, it was it was pretty long. That was a, a long time ago. But come on. <laughs> All right. Enough making fun of me. There's, uh, there That's it is. Great. Uh, all you need is love. So let's move on. <laughs> I love it, Joe. Song. All right. Let's kick off with that XBI story that you were just talking about, Dennis. I'll let Start Joe start with the Yeah, give us the news and then we can tell you about the trading, you know, and how I determined that this was going to fall 50% last night. Sarepta, SRPT, give us the news here, Mitch. It got halted right the at news. the close. Joe, so yeah, four, yeah. five seconds yeah. after the close, they halted it. And then you're like, oh boy, what's this news? Yeah, and it's not good. That's always not good. <laughs> No. Okay. All right. Let me uh, let me give you this. Mitch going to give the news. Reports top line results from Embark, a global pivotal study of gene therapy for Duchenne muscular dystrophy, says primary endpoint was not met on a drug that was already approved. Yeah. 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 This Ouch. is a bad look. Wow. Yikes. There's so much so much to unpackage here. 
Um, obviously, maybe we should bring Adam Fierstein on if we can get Adam. We haven't had him he's for hard, a while he's here. He's the master. He's the master, and he's hard to get on this. I was I always look at his tweets immediately to get his thoughts, and he's like, I got a lot of thoughts on here, and he's researching further. So he hasn't said too much on this yet either, unless he said it this morning. But as last night, he hasn't commented too much. I mean, you're right, Joel. This drug is approved. This drug is being taken. Um, it was a mixed approval. This was, you know, obviously recommended. They had a panel going. We've been following this story on this show for a very long time. I mean, years we have been following this story. Awful disease. They want a drug that obviously, you know, they need a drug for this awful disease here. Sarepta, which is chain muscular dystrophy, has been working on this drug for a very long time. It got approval. Um, I'm trying to guess when, and it was a while ago. Like, I'm going to say like 2020. I may. Oh, it was longer than that. It was when we were in the office. Actually, Ben Zinga. uh, Remember, we spoke to a, a young lady that had two sons. Uh, that were taking the drug. Remember that? That was a lot. Yeah. I wish I could find her in our thing. But anyways, go ahead. Um, so in any regard, it's been approved. Chat might know when it's been approved. It's been approved for a long time in a mixed panel because it wasn't 100% known if this drug really worked or not. So now you get top-line trials coming after the drug is being used, not meeting st- uh, key statistical primary endpoints, I mean, or secondary endpoints. This is difficult. Um, does this mean the drug comes off, you know, the, the market, do they keep the drug on the market? All those questions still to be answered, but right now this drug is being used and it didn't meet, uh, the primary endpoint. So that is just scary stuff. So we'll leave it at that because that's all we know at this time. We don't know if the drug's going to come off the market. We don't really know, you know, the implications here. We just know that obviously the stock was going to have a significant fall last night. So XBI, when this news came out, and it came out obviously uh, like a minute after the stock got halted, stock remained in a halt. They hammered XBI. And if you look, XBI was 1.39% Sarepta. They basically immediately knocked 1.3% off the price of Sarepta, uh, off the price of the XBI. I'm like, holy crap. Like, they think this is going to go to zero? Like, um, and obviously that's not the case because it's going to be other biotechs that get hit in sympathy, um, which, you know, obviously is going to knock down the index as well. So you got to kind of discount some of that back. But when they knocked XBI as much as they were knocking it down last night, I'm like, they're probably going to knock this stock in half as at least. And then, so I go use my trusty technicals and I'm looking, well, what's the level? You know, what's the level where this logically bounces? I went to that double bottom in April and June which would put us down about 48% or 47%. I was looking at that 60. Um, so I tweeted out, I put the 65 as the over-under. It's coming in under that right now. But you can get a feel for like why, you know, the stock was going to get hit. So, you know, just using the indexes, using the ETFs to try to price out where you think this is going to go. And then using the technicals too. So I'm using like multiple tools to come up with a price, which I was pretty close on, saying 65, the thing 64, 68. I said that when it was 107.65. So pretty close to, uh, well, it was $62. So pretty close to being right, just using the ETFs and the technicals to try to guess where the price is going. And if you under, you got to have a mathematics degree, but I, I, I filed you on that one. It's um a lot. Well, just what, just real quick, we just were sneaking into the 4,200 handle here. I, I mean, it, it's dropped. It's down here. I mean, I guess if you've been waiting to buy this at a discount, here's the discount. I don't know where it goes from here. This has done this over the years several times. It's had big up moves and big down moves. I 
I remember looking at this one a while ago and I'm like, I don't have any exposure to this sector. And I decided I didn't want any exposure to this sector. So just huddle in here in the lower 60 handle. I could give you the pre-market load. You can use that as a parameter. Uh, boom, who knows what they'll come out and say later in the day. Wow, pre-market low is 58.09. So I'll call that potential, well, no, 57.23. I stand corrected. So it's five bucks off the low. So I think it might thicken up a little bit as you to heads back toward 57.26. And then the monthlies here, uh, Sarepta made a couple lows in the lower 60s. Wow, exact double bottom on the monthly. May and June of 2022, 61.28 is the number of the day in the regular session. Apple kicked off their Apple event. Let's take a look here, uh, of course, as they introduced M3, M3 Pro, and M3 Max chips uh, with major GPU upgrades, new 14-inch, 16-inch MacBook Pro, and M3 chips up to 22-hour battery. MacBook Pro also it released a new space black color because, you know, that, that increases the value that much, you know. Um, but... Also, uh, chips here said to have 60% faster new neural en engine for machine learning. Of course, they're talking AI in the improved Max uh, M3 Max chips. So that's what they wanted to talk about and kind of talk about how this will help AI. Um, and then also the iMac was pretty interesting, as you guys can see here. Um, they're still keeping the nice little kind of smaller uh, design. Um, and giving a nice improvement with this new chip. One thing that was mentioned multiple times that I think is important here was not only that you know they have new products, but what was really important was that they're better than Intel. They mentioned this multiple times throughout the presentation. And every single time they talked about one chip, they went and talked about how is that much better than these Intel chips. So I think... Moments like this, where it said 11 times faster than the fastest Intel-based MacBook Pro. Mm. And this is the competition now that's coming for Intel, that Intel better watch out. And that competition was coming for Intel for a long time, much of that priced in. Like Intel, we know, has lost, you know, there used to be Intel inside. Everything was Intel inside, and it's just not the, the way it is anymore. And AMD's obviously eating a lot of their lunch. But, you know, obviously, Apple trying to tack into that market as well. Um, I don't think any of this is market moving. Obviously, the stock doesn't seem to care whatsoever about this. It's trading down 30 cents on it, which is where exactly it was trading last night ahead of this event. Um, market has come up a little bit, so Apple did not come up with it. I, we're all waiting for the Thursday report. Thursday yeah, night is go. what's going to matter. Yeah, I mean, uh, do you get a run-up ahead of it? Well, we've had a run-up ahead of it. We just ran from 165 to 170, so we've had a five-point run-up. Could you get a little more run-up ahead of it? Maybe. Um, I think people are going to be a little bit nervous going into this Apple report here, though. But like I said, upgrade cycle seems to be going okay so far. Let's see what they say Thursday night. I just don't understand why they did this now, you know, uh, a couple days before earnings, right? <laughs> Maybe they know and, something negative that's coming soon. Yeah, I just like, I, uh, you know, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Market had, you know, helped the market out yesterday. Nice rally yesterday. Traded down 33 cents. Uh, Short-term technicals on this one. You have a good level here. 
171 and a quarter. So you're, you know, that on a relative basis is kind of weak today. You're not trading through the previous day's high. So uh, 171 and a quarter uh, until it can get above that limited upside for Apple. Yesterday's low, that's pretty, that's way down there at 68.87. So resistance easier to identify than support here in Apple and I, two days ahead of their report. But to one me, thing to consider on the Apple report, and we'll talk about it more, obviously Thursday's show ahead of it, but um, I don't think Apple has to blow it away to go higher. Expectations have come in a little bit here. We saw Amazon, good numbers, decent numbers really rally. The one thing that Apple and well, then one thing mainly Apple has going for it is the debt is very low. So again, we're going to continue to preach that is that at a certain point in time, it's just much more attractive than some of these companies that are loaded up with debt when the rates are this high. So we, we had this conversation yesterday, though, talking about financing and 0% financing still on some of these iPhones being attractive. I mean, it's still a luxury item, but it's a luxury item that people can actually afford. So you know what I'm, also... I'm not full bearish Apple here right now. You know what? Also, they could do. They could. They could raise their dividend. I don't think they're going to do that. That would be well, gutsy in this environment. But they never know what they could say. A lot of different things. I think. I, I, let's let's save a lot of this commentary for Thursday okay. morning show because we got a lot of earnings to go through here, and I'll get some more thoughts, and you guys can get some thoughts on Apple here as well. But I'm on the fence on Apple. I was that 190, 185, 180 valuation. Valuation is still too much, but. That debt being so low debt really is attractive. Uh, the chat wanted to bring in the WDC mention here. Oh, and I think that's yes. a really nice catch by the chat. So shout out to you, DJK, calling out my man, Triple D, giving him some love because I know he gets the hate out there. Uh, so here's some love Got for you, Dennis. Right. WDC, uh, Western Digital announced a proposed $1.3 billion in convertible notes and offering here <laughs> on WDC, what a move, right? Let's give them nice earnings and let's stuff them after that with a nice little yeah, offering. The split up, the split up of the company. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, we'll yeah, just add yeah. that as a bonus to make it sound better. They did all this stuff to pump the stock up and then they shoved the offering down their shareholders' throats <laughs> and it gives it all back. We talked yesterday on the show, the stock was $44, $43, dollars yesterday. Yeah. In the free market, and we're like, as no business, we have no business. Financial engineering was popping up mainly because of the split. Uh, we were very bearish the stock yesterday. Flat out said, if I owned it, I would sell it. Um, it gives it all back one day. So we got this one right. Yeah, pre what, what we put together, the pre-market high was over 44 bucks, 44.74. And then I talked about a daily high that was at uh, 44.57. Then I talked about all these people that got smoked. On Thursday, and they're like, hey, this thing's back at 43, 44. Are you kidding me? And then they come out and do the offering. I don't know. I owned this stock a long time ago from the Rev and had a huge run. I don't remember when the run up. I might have, could it have been in 16, but I remember and it you had, had you, the big dividend. Well yeah. And I, and then like I kept, and you guys kept it going, you buying it back? You buying it back? I'm like, no, I'm not buying it back. I'm not buying it back. And I don't know, just a wonky stock here. Let's see. Ah, uh, man, now it's just, it's got a gap to fill. Might fill that gap today. So 39.41 was the high uh, on, uh, on Friday. So if you're looking for a gap fill, you can get it off the offering. Let's get to pen interest. Uh, 
Joel's favorite stock here. Uh, this was a surprising one. I'm not. I'm going to say I got it wrong on this one too. Q3 adjusted EPS here at 28 cents beats the 20 cent estimate. Revenue 763 million versus 743.5 million estimate. Global mobile uh, monthly active users increased 8% year over year to 482 million. One thing that gave me a little bit of insight on this was I saw how Snap was kind of performing before this. And I was like, man, does Snap know something that I don't? Because it was leading up into the open. We'll see if Snap can really get moving off this report. Well, Snap already reported, so it yeah, probably so doesn't. Snap obviously had the big pop to 12 and then gave it all back on its report, which its numbers were fine. Pinterest, a nice lift. Again, I'm not chasing stocks in a bear market. So if you're buying stocks up 16% in the bear market, you sometimes do get fall through. It's not a great idea to short them on day one. I mean, Amazon is continuing to move higher here now after its report. So it, it, there's, it's easier to kick the stocks that are down than kick the stocks that are actually going up. So we've talked about that with short selling before, you know, shoot the stocks in the back when they're going down, as opposed to when they're going up in your face and trying to shoot them in the face because you don't know where these things stop. 30 seems like a logical stopping point if we're trying to call it. But again, I'm not shorting the stock because it's not on day one. I usually like to wait until they start to leak. Uh, was near the lower end of the range yesterday. Now you're up at the upper end of the range, uh, filling a gap here at 29.61. I just have to respect these two candles here. Uh, this was back in July. I don't know what the news was, but you got the nice pop. You had a red candle on the day of the news, another red candle the following day, and then ended up leaking quite a bit. So uh, definitely not chasing it up here. And if you're, you know, been looking for this 29, to, you know, 30, 30 and a half area, uh, watch your bids here, Dennis. Whatever came out at uh, 830, they're not You guys liking didn't here. warn me. It's the employment cost index. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's not much, man. It's not moved. much. Like no we one moved. ever pays attention to this number. Six but... points bing, on bing, it. Bing, 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 bing. number. <laughs> well, no. they're already factoring in the higher GM and Ford Atlantis wages, so it had an immediate impact <laughs> on the employment <laughs> cost index. And now we're, you know, oh, and now man. rates are going to fourteen and a half percent because of inflation. Employment cost index. Are you serious, guys? When's They're the last moving. time that we ever paid attention to that number? Well, we have we ever mentioned that number on pre-market prep? <laughs> uh, that's all I got to say. Have we ever mentioned that number on pre-market prep? No. So we get a little, we get ahead here. I don't even remember what stock we were talking about ahead of that. I guess it was Pinterest. Pins. But, pins. All right. I'm, I have no comments on pins. I again, big difference between Pinterest and WDC. They were both rips, but rips from a point of distress where WDC. Trade down near the lows, lots of overhead supply. You could say the same thing about Pinterest, but Pinterest isn't off much from the highs. It's not off like the other ones are, like Western Digi, which has just been an epic disaster. So there's not as many bag holders in the stock like pins, which makes it not as easy for it to go down. It's bag holder central. Then when you get the pops, they almost seem to always give it back, or at least in this market, it seems to give it back. But there's not as many bag holders. And even in the Amazon, as of late, there's not as many bag holders because the stock wasn't that far off of the recent highs. So where you get WDC significantly off, up on financial engineering and stuff, it was an easier sell than this Pinterest is going to be. Uh, and I'll just go longer term on this. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if this thing could ever clear 30 with a gusto, I mean, the, you had that one time. And you have Elliot in there. Yeah. You busted over 30 back in uh, in July, but that was kind of short-lived. But look at all these. These are monthly tops here. 
So, man, you build a 20. I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know what's going to happen in six months, a year. But, man, if this thing ever gets a solid 30 bid here, tell me where it's going. It hasn't even really had a meaningful retracement. And uh, I still don't understand. I mean, what do people post, like recipes and stuff on there? What the hell do they put on that platform? I don't they get put it. A, but I, one I, thing I, to consider, too, Joel, Pinterest, zero debt. No. Okay. These are important. Like, just go in your pro before. This is the one exercise in this market Let's that you it. absolutely need to do. Every single time you think about buying a company on a chart for your long-term portfolio, at a bare minimum, go in your Benzinga Pro. Most of you have it. Type in the details and look at how much debt they have because it matters, folks. Debt matters. WDC is $6 billion worth of debt, loaded with debt. Pinterest, a zero debt. Zero debt companies are actually doing and holding up quite, quite well right now. If you would have separated it all three months ago and bought all the zero debt companies and shorted all the loaded debt companies, I think you would have made a killing. So that's, you know, the biggest thing in this market as interest rates have come higher. The debt load absolutely matters. A professor once told me in college, he said, pay attention to two things and it can make you money if you understand it. One being fiscal policy, the other being monetary. In this case, monetary ruling these stocks as interest rates and prolonged interest rates will be on. And uh, we don't know when they'll cut that rate, right? So a lot of these debt heavy companies will be in pressure. Let's keep and, going. And remember, the biggest issue we've had in the last couple of months has not been the Fed. The biggest issue, it's been the long end. And the Fed doesn't control the long end. The traders do. So the traders have said Fed staying hot, staying high for longer. I mean, I never would have thought, you know, you're looking at the 10-year getting up to 5%. I never would have thought we'd see that in this environment. For I wouldn't have thought it ever again. Now, and you can never say never, obviously. But, you know, where Rick Santelli was saying 14%, I mean, again, or 12% he was saying, I mean, if we get there, this S&P is going to be a hell of a lot lower at that point in time. But um, you can't argue with it right now. I mean, we still have the TLT flirting with lows. Yes, it bounces today. Probably a reason that the overall market is trying to bounce a little bit, bounced off the lows yesterday. Trying to form a little bit of a bottom in here, 82 to 85. That's good. Let's get up over 86. You know, like I was giving the 90. Well, even before we start looking at stocks, let's get up and make a new high on the recent move. Recent high, 85.35 on the TLT. We need to get up and see what we do here. We're still just meandering, hanging out. I'm just concerned that we're consolidating and go lower. So got to be somewhat cautious. I still have my half-size position in the TLT, but um, you absolutely just can't buy these stocks that are loaded with debt until we start to see a sustained rally in the TLT. I'll keep saying it. And we, we have Jerome tomorrow. We have Pump and Powell tomorrow and probably going <laughs> to get another hawkish pause He's not, he's not going to give you what you want. He's not going to say, we're done. We're turning. We see a, a recession. We're lowering rates. It's going to be the same mantra that he's had for the last three or four months. So be prepared for that. The jobs number on Friday, I mean, it's you know, Apple in between. Uh, the jobs, I mean, and unemployment, I mean, it's just... You know, it, it won't go up. It won't. They haven't been able to bust it. There's a lot of other factors going in behind that. All right, let's sneak one in here really quickly. Cat, um, I wanted to get to it at least, and this actually plays off what Dennis was just talking about. So adjusted EPS, $5.52, beats the $4.76 estimate. Sales of $16.81 billion beat the $16.53 billion estimate. Yet, look at that hit there, guys. And what has been said here, 
revenue dips quarter over quarter across all major segments despite year-over-year growth. And uh, this is one that we've been pointing to, how the industrials had just been getting whacked, and I don't expect to see this change. Caterpillar's main issue going forward here again is going to be that their customers need financing to buy their products. So it's not always about, and they have loaded debt in their own company too, but it's not even about that. With the solar in some companies, it's about the big ticket stuff, needing financing to buy their products. The financing is a lot higher. There's going to be a lot less people buying machinery in 2024 and predicting it now, and it's not that hard of a prediction. So I think Caterpillar has been sold off because of the long-term rates. And until rates start to actually turn around and start going down, Caterpillar and Deer are both no touches for me. Not All right. much in here. Not much in here at all. I'll just give you a, the pre-market low, 228.20. And then if you're looking for a bunch of lows in the same area on the monthly, you're looking in the lower 200s. Won't see that today, though. All right, team, we got a new one for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoy this. We got a new guest. You guys smash the like, get ready. We're going to get into a little T3 trading group action. You don't want to miss this. I have a feeling, and I love that he's ready to go. Going to talk about a top-down approach, share the screens. Get ready, team. We got a good guest segment coming up. Eric Olden Smith, senior trader and managing supervisor for T3 Trading Group. It's good to have you on, Derek, and ready to talk some stocks, man. Uh, it's been a tough market lately. So good to meet you and bring you to the pre market prep crowd. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. A um, lot to chat about in a short period of time. Is it cool if I just jump right in? Yeah, yeah let's yeah. do it. I see your let's charts ready to go. I'm going to put you up here. Take, awesome. take the reins, my friend. Let's do it. So we're set for a little bit of a, a gap up this morning, right? The S&P looks like it's up 0.1%. The Qs are flattish and the IWM is leading a little bit up a quarter percent. Uh, let's just pull up the daily chart. So just real quick about me, because I don't think anyone sure. really knows who I am. Uh, I've been trading professionally since 2008. I've been trading with T3 since 2010. So I've been doing this specifically with T3 for 13 years now. I've been managing a group of professional traders for the company since 2013 for 10 years. Uh, that group started in the downtown New York City office as me and two people. If you fast forward to the present day, I'm now directly managing T3's largest group of traders, a little bit over 125 professional people on a day-to-day -day nice. basis. That's a big group. Uh, I do daily morning meetings and afternoon meetings every day for the team. So this is just you know part of my normal process. I take a, a top-down approach to markets where I pay attention to Obviously, market technicals, big picture down to small picture. I also pay a lot of attention to sentiment, positioning, flow, things like that, which over the course of my career, I have found have had a, a really important impact on how markets actually work. So um, where are we coming into today? I think we officially entered correction territory for the S&P a couple of days ago, which means that we're down over 10%. If you actually look at the IWM, which I think is a, a better representation of probably your average stock that's out there, the IWM is down more than 18% on a closing basis from the July highs down to the lows of, of where we are right now. So it's been a, a bit of a bloodbath since that, that high in July where we were seeing sentiment was starting to get a little frothy up there, positioning, everybody was covered all their shorts and was getting in on the long side of the market just for us to roll all the way back down. So now as we're pretty much 
getting near bear market territory again for the IWM, the obvious question is what happens next? Your short yeah. technicals here are very clearly and obviously bearish. We're in a downtrend on the small time frame, the intermediate time frame. I would still make the argument that the very large time frame is neutral to bullish, depending on which index that you're looking at. You can see we still have a flat 200 day for the IWM. And if you really scroll out, scroll out on this IWM chart, you can see that we've been stuck in a range between 162.50 or so, which we've really tested the last couple of days on the downside, and 200 on the upside. And that range goes back to uh, you know, April 2022 at this point. So we've been stuck in this range for a long time. We're really testing the downside of that. So the big question is, is this support area going to hold? Obviously, you got a lot of bearish fundamental people out there on, on the sell side. But what do the technicals tell us and what does positioning and flow actually tell us? Uh, I, I would say broadly, positioning is pretty neutral at this point. We're coming into the end of the month. We're supposed to see a pension rebalance here at the end of the month that could lead to $5 billion in buying from, from pension funds just with their normal rebalances. But that's into a whole bunch of CTA selling. Yet we all know November, December tends to be very strong seasonally. Uh, I'm not a huge believer in seasonality. I don't think just because a certain month of the year is stronger means close your eyes and buy. Uh, but there's a reason for it. Uh, the, the, the buybacks in the marketplace, which we know is an important flow factor for markets, are strongest in November typically and historically compared to every other point part in the year. So as we've sold off 18 plus percent for the IWM, as the S&P has entered correction territory and as we're entering into this more seasonally bullish time where CTA flows should actually start to switch a little bit more to the bull side starting next week and uh, the buybacks can really come back online. Uh, I am looking to see if we can rally higher, but I'm also a big believer in technicals. I'm not just going to catch a falling knife. So I need the market to confirm to me before I buy. So there's two ways in which I would be interested in potentially looking to buy a market that's downtrending and, and that's beaten up. One is into what I consider to be more extreme extension. And there's a number of ways you can look at that, oscillator, RSI. Uh, one of the main ways that I look at it pretty simply is the spread between where the market is trading, where the ADMA is. That's my blue line here, red lines of 21 EMA. I broadly consider the space between the eight and 21 EMA to be technical equilibrium for the market. So historically, what we've seen over the course of the last year and a half is whenever the market starts to extend the spies or the queues, $10 plus away from the ADMA, whether it's on the downside or the upside, it's usually a pretty good time to start considering coming in in the other direction for just a shorter term counter trend move. We Love saw it. Thursday, Friday last week. Uh, Friday last week, we really started to hit more of that extreme downside for the spies. Thursday, it was the queues whereas $10 plus. We've also consistently seen just with the geopolitical environment that we have going on right now, very weak Fridays and very strong Mondays. I think the NASDAQ has been positive 17 Mondays in a row. Which nice. Is impressive that, that's a crazy stat. Yeah. That, it's, that it's, is a crazy stat for yeah, sure. It's, it's, it's a really impressive number. I think for the S&P, it's like 15 out of 16 Mondays in a row. And again, if you consider that's within the confines of this market that's pulled down the way that it is. Yeah. It made for a tricky setup coming into this week because you kind of had to make a little bit of a stand on Friday to the bull side in order to catch Monday's upside move, uh, which was difficult because we closed so weak on Friday, but it's just been kind of that consistent pattern. So as long as the geopolitical situation didn't totally blow up over the weekend, 
it led to a buying opportunity. So I started doing a good bit more buying Thursday, Friday last week, sold a little bit of that into that into this up move as we have approached the ADMA on the daily chart now. And the question here is really, can we get you know further upside follow through? So again, one way in which I'm willing to buy a weak market is if we get more of that extreme downside extension. We saw a little bit of that Thursday, Friday last week. So I was buying a bit into that. The other way is if the markets can actually prove themselves on the upside. We can get some sort of reversal pattern that comes in or the bulls can reprove themselves. And we're still a ways away from that. There's a lot of big levels that the market's going to have to recapture in order for the bulls to look decent at all. So a morning like this morning where we're having a small gap up and we're getting closer to those moving averages, which a lot of time if we're going to continue the downtrend, this is exactly where the pivot high comes in. It just becomes a difficult spot to buy. But I, I don't love the risk reward on the short side here either when we're at SPY 416. I think if you want to take like Mike Wilson's bear case and say that the spies are going to go down to 390, we could bounce back to 420 before even we get that that rollover. And if you start shorting here at you know 416 or lower, you could endure some pain before that pivot comes in. And that's assuming that you're actually correct. So I don't love the the risk reward setup here for the market as a whole this morning. Mm -hmm. There are names in play. It is it is earnings season. So for me, whenever the market's giving me some uncertainty, I always feel like I can focus on stocks that reported earnings, got upgraded, got downgraded, that, that they're going to trade a little bit in their own universe uh, to try to find some edge for myself. And there's also some sectors and individual names like the financials, I think, are starting to to look a little bit interesting. Um, on the interesting on the good side, interesting on the bad yeah, side. So if you look at this, <laughs> I don't know if you, it, you know, I, I've been calling a little bit of a regional demise, but um, uh, you, you're saying that you're seeing a little bit of some strengthening in the financials, a, a little bit. So, so first of all, obviously, we, we got to look at, at probably TLT and look at treasuries before we can even talk about, about yeah. the banks, and particularly if you want to talk about the regional banks. So, uh, this TLT here has stabilized finally a little bit for the last week or so. Uh, if you're looking at the TLT ETF, $85 is a really important upside level near term. 83 is a really important downside level. So we're kind of testing this 85 again a little bit this morning. We're seeing some strength when uh, yesterday the U.S. said they were cutting their quarterly borrowing estimates. Obviously, we've got the Fed tomorrow, so it might be a little tricky to make a big stand on the TLT right in front of the Fed. But if we can get this TLT back above 85, I think we might be looking at a shorter term, at least a shorter term bounce in treasuries. So interest rates coming down a little bit. And if you combine that with some seasonal flows in November, I think that we could see a decent uptick November, December. I just need the market to confirm it again, because I'm, I'm wrong as often as I'm right. But uh, by positioning myself with risk reward and probability of success and making sure I'm focused on my risk management, it can enable you know me or, or any trader to be a consistently profitable trader, even if they're not going to be right all the time. So you need to see that TLT get back above 85. And then if you look at like the XLF ETF, that gave a nasty breakdown two trading sessions ago through the $32 level yeah. just to fully negate it yesterday. Uh, yesterday was one of the bigger updates for XLF that we've seen in a while. So now you're looking at potentially a, a false breakdown in, in, in the XLF. And as we all know, sometimes false moves in one direction can actually lead to bigger moves in the other direction. You sucker in more shorts, you push out more longs. And then if, we're, if we are able to break back up, which we started to do yesterday, we're seeing some continued relative strength in XLF this morning, 
then you can squeeze out those shorts and new longs might have to chase in, or at least they're not on the offer selling on the way up. So I've got an eye on Bank of America yesterday, which gave a bit of an inside day. I've got an eye on JP Morgan, which got whacked further when Jamie Dimon announced that they're going to sell a million dollars, yeah. a million shares or whatever it was. But I still think JP Morgan is one of the best banks that's out there. And this KRE has really tightened up also. Obviously, the, the big story when you're looking at the regionals is if you understand why you know, SVB and First Republic actually blew up, it's because of the duration of their treasuries, actually, and their inability to be able to hold them without taking massive losses on their books. Well, if TLT can uptick and get back above 85, that can give some relief to these banks and particularly those KRE names, which could cause you to snap back above $40 and maybe give, uh, give a little bit of an upside move. So I've actually got those names on my radar uh, today and obviously, you know, continuing to watch a lot of big cap tech just with everything that's going on and AMD after the close today, Apple on Thursday. So a lot happening right now. Talk about your typical setup because you started saying, you know, you take the top down approach every day. You know, I've been trading and I was with Bright Trading. You're probably familiar with Bright Trading for 23 years as well. I trade on my own now just through IB. Um, but I have a typical approach where I do the same thing every day routine. I wake up, I do this, I do that. It's steps. It's the same steps every day. Can you just go through those steps? Because the chat knows my steps because I've talked about them multiple times. But it's nice to hear other professional traders, the steps that they take. Like from the minute you wake up, you know, and get to your desk, what's the first thing you do to get, you know, to where you're trading the open? Sure. So so I agree. Routine is a, is a big part of this and preparation is huge. Um, I think that I make most of my money with the work that I do pre-market. That's my preparation. I, I, I liken it. To, so I'm actually also a retired professional fighter. I, I fought professional kickboxing for oh, nice. uh, over 10 years. I had won two world titles and two weight classes. And what we always said in that sport is that the fight is won and lost in the gym before the fight. And then the fight itself, when you're actually in the ring and you're in front of all the people, that's just about executing the six to eight weeks of, of work that you had just done to prepare for that moment. Markets and trading, to me, it's the exact same thing. My battle with the market, for the most part, is won or lost before the bell actually rings. 9.30 to 4, it's about execution of the game plans and ideas and thought processes that I created for myself before the, mac the market actually opened. So uh, I usually wake up pretty early, 5.36 a.m., First thing I do, roll over, grab a cup of coffee, and, and log into my trading system. Um, uh, I keep swings every night. So I combine day trading and swing trading. I probably haven't gone home flat in seven years. So the first thing I'm doing is I'm seeing where, where the market is gapping. So for example, I have a, I have a position in Chewy. Chewy got an upgrade. It, it, it's up pretty big this morning. Uh, it's potentially breaking out a little bit on the daily chart. My game plan said into the price in which it was gapping up to that I'm supposed to sell stock. And I'm a big believer in following game plans. I think that uh, game planning and risk management are really the key to success in this business. I think whenever anybody tells me about any psychology issue that they have with their trading, they you know hold their losers too long, they get out of their winners too early. I think that the counter to that is having good game planning and and just following through with the game plans that you've already created for yourself because it doesn't matter how you're feeling it doesn't matter if you're feeling nervous about the position going against you or you're like oh my god i'm up a little bit of money i better take this off the table no what is the preset game plan that you already created for yourself telling, telling you to do so any swing position that i have already has a preset game plan 
I get a little bit lucky like I did this morning and it's definitely luck when you're in a position yeah. already and it gets upgraded. Well, yeah. my game plan says I got to book a little bit of profit at these prices. So I was immediately selling some stock at probably 5.45 or so this morning when I, when I first logged in. So I get an update on all my swing positions and then I really start my research process. Uh, my research process is an update on all pieces of information and news. I take a look at, at, at a lot of uh, institutional reports that come out of the, the big banks specifically for the uh, flow and sentiment information that I was kind of already providing. That's how I know that the pension funds are due for a $5 billion buy rebalance into the end of this month. So I pay attention to that data. That's how I know that the um, the window, the, the blackout window for buybacks is, is beginning to end, especially when we can get through Apple, Apple being one of the biggest companies that does buybacks in the entire market. Uh, then I, I go through the market technicals themselves. How are we gapping? How do I want, how do I want to game plan myself around the market based on how we're gapping? Um, market always comes first. Stocks have a very strong correlation between what the market's doing and what that stock is doing. Obviously. Hey, Garrick, I want to, can I hop in here one second? Sure. I know we're getting up against the clock. Um, just tell us about real quick, what was your setup on Chewy? I mean, it made multiple lows in the same area. Yeah. The stock has just been a serial underperformer. I mean, it got a distance itself from the lows, a minor breakout. Just tell us your setup and what you got into it. It was great. You're following your plans, but what, what was your setup? What was your so, trigger on that one? Sure. So, so stock is, is brutally beaten up, right? We, we all know that. I think at one point in the end of September, there were statistics that was coming out that was saying it was the most oversold like S and P 500 stock in the market. Uh, what does that mean? You know, it doesn't mean come in and buy it just because it's an oversold stock. If anything, it means the opposite. It means be careful. Uh, you could look at it and say it's cheap at 24, and then by the time it's at you know 1650 you're in you're in you know world a world of hate yeah. a world yeah. a world of hurt before uh before it potentially turns up but what you can see here is in in mid october um it started to actually show a good bit of relative strength compared to the market as the markets continued to sell off this thing actually started to create a base around this like 1650 area. And if you compare that to the market, the relative strength, relative weakness is a big thing that I pay attention to. The markets just continue to fall out of bed, whether you're looking at the average growth stock that's out there or the IWM or the spies itself, this Chewy has started to hold in. And then it finally gave a, a, a day one initiate initial breakout candle here on some volume hmm. back on October 26th, where it was able to bounce off that base and continue yep. higher. So for me, that's that's a signal. I had already started to build into a position. That's a signal to get a little bit more aggressive. This thing's beginning to tell me the right things. It still has a lot more work to do. Uh, then if you go back on the 27th, which is a more recent day, I actually like that little rest day right into the 21 uh -huh. EMA, which is a spot mm -hmm. that this thing has not been able to get above since it broke down from $37 uh, back, in, back in July. I like that rest day. I like the relative strength again, which was helped a little bit with the market yesterday. And I was calling this thing out for continuation above 18 quarter yesterday, if it was able to go. And then it did that in a small way. It wasn't a fantastic close yesterday, but then, you know, a little lucky with the upgrade this morning. Um, it was a position that I was already in. I'm looking to see if I can get a move into the low 20s. 
Love it. Love it. I don't know if you just have a dog and that's why you were looking at Chewy, but <laughs> I know I the life. I know, I know I, I always order from Chewy and I was literally calling them yesterday. So uh, it, it, hopefully that helps it out. Right. Derek, so, so that's, uh, that's one of those things. I'm also a big believer in just paying attention to the world around you for information. Love it. And even though I don't have a dog, I live in an apartment in New York City, and I see the chewy delivery boxes showing up left and right. <laughs> exactly. I talk to my friends who are pet owners. They all love the service. So, you know, I don't think this thing is, is, is a zero, even if it's a gross story. And I heard you guys talking earlier about, you know, the gross stories and companies with debt or they're not profitable yet. It's definitely a tough environment for them, considering what, what interest rates are, are doing. But you're also looking at a company that you use yourself, which has had this big down move from... 40 a couple months ago to 16 doesn't mean it can't go to 13 but you know worth paying attention when the strength comes in love it love it and uh definitely uh looking around you to find trade ideas sometimes they're really great because when you go into the technicals like you did you were able to find a nice setup there uh derek olden smith a senior trader and managing supervisor at t3 trading group i also threw up your youtube there so if you guys want to check him out definitely check out the youtube and we'll wrap it up here it's always good to have you derek and we'll have you back on appreciate you coming on today thanks guys appreciate it thanks derek all right, guys, we're going to wrap it up. And like always, you guys can check out T3 Live. T3 offers superior capital access where retail traders can access. And of course, they consider themselves different than the new age prop firms like Top Step, Earn to Trade, and et cetera. You don't need to go through multiple evaluations. You can jump in, especially if you're an intermediate experienced trader and start trading with them. They've been around for more than 20 years, have support teams from 4 a.m. to 8 p.m. And of course, they do education courses, one-on-one -on -one journal reviews, and access to the pro desk virtual trading floor. You guys check out T3 Trading Group. Well, T3 next time he's every... on, what? next go time go. he's on, I'm going to ask him what happened to the heavyweight boxing division. No, I did, know. Did you <laughs> I see hear, those I want to hear the kickboxing stories, man. Yeah, Tyson Fury and well, I well, heavyweight knock somebody out. Oh the UFC gosh. happened to that, but I want to hear more kickboxing stories. <laughs> yeah, or a little. We need some Muay Thai, something, man. But uh, all right, let's get to. We've the had action. a good relationship with T three for a long time. Obviously, I know T three from yeah. my bright trading days as well. You know, Sean Hendelman, Scott Radler, great guys. T three is for real. That's a great for them. Definitely. Definitely. Check it out, team. I'm going to throw up the link here one more time so you guys can check them out. Also, we have our own landing page. So you guys check out what T3 Global has to offer for you. All right, let's go to the market. How are we looking here, Joel? Are we going to are we gonna have know, man, two Green a, Day Rally? Could it possibly be? Man, the market, it's a squirrely market here. Uh, we're maintaining the gains on the session. Pre-market low seems like a, a ways away right now at 24 handles. So I thought Good feeling. Maybe the upstreak uh, will continue here. I'd like to hold the closing price um, in the morning and then take out that pre-market high. That's nestled right to Monday's high. So we get through there. We'll see if the market has an appetite for the 4,200 handle here. But uh, we're green hanging on to it. And um, we'll see what happens. The closing price at 85.75. That's important to hold this morning. All right, let's do one last uh, headline. We've got so many that we could have gone through, but um, yeah. ha, which one to pick here? Uh, it, it's interesting day, of well, course. 180 uh, companies reporting. Yeah, and, you know, obviously, it's just a ton, you know, to talk about here. Last night, Anet was a big one as well. 
This morning we get multiples. I mean, we've talked to Cat. We've talked some of the main ones here. I think jump into like we actually should talk a net from last night. It's getting a huge okay. pop here. It's up nine percent here now. The stock is near all time highs. There is not a lot of stocks near all time highs, so that's impressive in itself. Money, Mitch, talk about the quarter. A N E T. All right, EPS here. Q three EPS at a dollar eighty three versus a dollar fifty eight estimate. Revenue at one point five zero nine billion versus a one point four eight billion estimate. And also guidance going a little bit higher here. Uh, let me pull the guidance here for us. Um, they see Q4 revenue at 1.5 billion, the 1.55 billion versus a 1.47 billion estimate. So not bad there. Um, and I don't trade this company often. Um, so it's definitely something that I'm gonna have to pay attention to today after a nice little lift. It's a nice pop and um, a couple of people reaching out to me saying, oh, let's short this one. The one thing I will say is shorting the stocks that are up near the all-time highs is tough. I don't like shorting the relative strength. Nothing has been stronger really than this stock. Like how many stocks are sitting here which are literally within striking distance of their all-time high? There is not a lot of stocks. So it's been an unbelievable performer here. Um, it's not as easy to short those stocks as you think. You know, I'm always you know inclined to short the rep. I just rather short rips on stocks that are weak as opposed uh -huh. to short rips on stocks that are strong. Uh, you just got a zone here. And uh, whether you're looking at the monthlies or you're looking at the dailies, I mean, there, there's a seller there in the 197, 198 area. I mean, that's where it is. So if you're risking, if you're shorting here, then that's what you might have to uh, hold on. Wait, you know, that might be your stop area, but multiple highs at that area. Don't know if it has the gas to get there today, uh, but you just have to respect all those highs at the all-time high. And uh, the all-time closing high was probably back on this day. In order to post a new all-time closing high, you got to close above 197.54. So uh, I'm going to hop out of here in just one minute. I'm just. We, we should quickly just mention NVIDIA is getting hit here today. It's down six bucks. It's been hanging out here for a while. Obviously, valuation is a concern here still. Um, I still think there's an AI story here that's going to get hot eventually again here, but um, I'm not sure the headline here today. There's multiple headlines yesterday. Um, I don't think the Apple news is probably great for it here either. There may be something else because it was only down two bucks. It's down six now. So I'm not sure if something broke in the last few minutes. Chat, let me know here. Obviously, we're doing live shows, so we're watching the headlines very closely here. I don't see a new headline here, though, but NVIDIA looks like it's in danger of reaching the 400. Yeah, low for the move has been uh, 398.80, and uh, you are still above yesterday's low at 481. Uh, Tommy Lackey joining us tomorrow, and uh, he's uh, made some good calls this year on pre-market prep. Let's see if the trend continu can continue. Everyone be safe out there, and I'll back with you later on. All right, Joel's hopping out of here. He came real quick, but uh, just to show you guys those gaps, Dennis, I don't, I'm not worried about this 400 gap. I think that that for sure fills. I'm looking for the 370 gap. That's where I'm looking to maybe get Nvidia back down in this bar here because I think it's we're on the get shopping list here. Um, I think if you dollar cost averaging into it, it's. I love. I love the fact that we're still going to have this AI story here. So this is a stock that's definitely on my shopping list. I don't know if I'm getting a 300, 370, um, but you said you take it at 310. I think a 310, I'm buying the position. I'll be <laughs> in NVIDIA if it goes down to 310 because then it's going to be trading like forward multiple like 22 times. 
Yeah. I mean, the, some of this is pull forward, and these businesses are cyclical, so you can't just take those multiples at face value here either. But I mean, I, 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 this is my pick for the stock that's going to drive the next bull market when it eventually comes. I don't know when that is. I don't know if we're going to stay in this bear market here for a while, but NVIDIA is definitely on my shopping list. I, and I'm going to take the complete opposite. And I think that Excellent. NVIDIA, the truth is, is that I will feel that this report, when it finally comes, completely breaks the AI kind of thinking. Um, why? Because they gave such a rosy outlook for kind of what they'd get. And I think that they're going to not meet that expectation. And with that, you'll start to see other companies release that demand is slowing down for these AI chips. That's what I feel will happen. And, and, that, and that's why we have a market here. So Mitch, and, and again, that's, that's, I'm that's not saying, market, I think we're going lower here. I think we're on the same side short term, yeah, short term but I'm going to be buying the dip a lot sooner than you're apparently going to be buying the yeah. dip. I'd love 310. 310 sounds great. I'm going to buy the position if it goes to 310. Um, but it's 405 right now. I think both of us are in the same camp. It feels heavy. It feels like it wants to take out the 400. And like always, you guys can keep up with both of us. Dennis Dick, Triple D Trader on Twitter, Money Mitch BZ. We're going to start wrapping it up here on Pre-Market Prep. Always good to have you, Dennis. Go do what you do best, my friend. Get to your trading action. All right, you guys definitely can keep up with Dennis and Joel on Pre-Market Prep Plus or the closing print at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Up next, of course, we got our live trading competition. Yes, I said it live trading competition who wants to take part or at least check out the action that's coming up next so don't go anywhere stick right here we're gonna have another great show and today's the halloween show so i know that some people were asking mitch well what are you gonna dress up like well if you want to go ahead and take a look into it just stick around team and just to kind of mention a comment in the chat tennessee saying that mitch hates ai so much complete opposite I am one of the users of AI daily, and I can show you guys that right now. I think I use it more than maybe Dennis and Joel. Well, I, I'll definitely say I think I use it more than Dennis and Joel. The truth is, it's all about the money. It's not about the products, the hype. Show me the revenue was what I was saying months ago, and I'm going to continue saying it. Show me the money, team in AI. We'll see you next time. Like always, stick around. Pre-Market Prep will be here to get you guys ready for the open. Now up next, we got live trading action. Don't miss it. Let's see what uh, Lord Ryan and I can come up with today. It's our Halloween show, special show for you guys. Come on over. And if anybody's dressed up and wants to join the show, I'm going to be throwing out the link so that you guys can jump on and show off your costumes. Let's get to the action. Live trading starts up in just about a minute.